Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello everyone, David here. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. This is episode number 52 and I have a great guest. I have Drew Broughton. You may or may not know Drew. But if you know him, you're more likely to know him from his kind of social media name and business kind of name, which is the Fear Coach. And Drew is a former professional footballer. He played for 17 years in England, played for 22 different clubs at varying levels. Um, I don't necessarily think he would describe his career as the most enjoyable because I think he felt like he didn't perform to his best and he fell into some addiction issues and things like that. And a lot of that comes back to... Alicia said it comes back to being crippled with fear, to be honest, and fear getting in the way. And it did take me a little while to understand some of the message and some of the things that he was talking about online. But actually, when I opened my eyes and saw it, and I, the more I speak to coaches and therapists in the industry as well, I can see that people are crippled with fear everywhere. They're afraid to post on social media in case another coach says something to them. They're afraid to say to their clients, here's what I think you should do. Um, because actually, the client is used to getting a massage from someone else. They're afraid of progressing on in their career because what it might mean about all different things and they're afraid to just we're afraid a lot of us are just afraid to just live our lives the way we really want to live it and being honest with ourselves so I think it's a huge topic I think it does get to the crux of a lot of the the issues that we as coaches and therapists have and that our clients have as well where ultimately we're just afraid and we're not actually dealing with that in the first place so I think it's a really good podcast I think it does take time to maybe digest some of that information if you're but if you're open to it then it will it will have profound impacts on how you view the world I think so um so yeah uh, if you enjoy the podcast obviously give us a shout out and tag me and Drew but uh without further ado here is Drew the fear coach Drew thank you very much for for jumping on uh it's great to have you how are you I'm good yeah good it's been a busy week um done uh two presentations this week big corporate companies and you're standing on the stage there and it was about the emotional journey through change in high performance cultures because unless you change you're going to get fired so it's like okay well how, how do i how do i start that for a conversation an hour on stage so it, was, it takes a lot right it takes two two days of that like i sit there before and i always go in the toilet cubicle wherever i am and i shut the door and i just close my eyes and just ask for the strength to do it because it's no one wants to change Mm -hmm. they certainly don't want to they think they want to change but you know in the physical world right okay you you come in you, you you're getting a load of patella tendonitis issues which i suffered from okay do you want to do you want to do the work <laughs> yeah and that's the good thing with, with that with that world is like it's very obvious you can either see it or you, you don't is your quad still completely atrophied or actually have you done something but in your world it's probably a little bit hard well actually probably you can see if someone is under work or not but um I, I suspect people can fake it a little bit easier I just, I just think I just think um and certainly well my mid-40s now the older I get and the more I've done this 11 years you just and obviously 17 years as a footballer so you, you I just want to be by myself a lot David yeah. I don't want to be near any human beings because it Working with such accountable human beings all day long for my job, such accountable people who are, I wonder sometimes, there's no there's no end to the mirror they'll come to. 
Mm-hmm. And I just love being around people like that because it, the conversation is just, it's just easy. You can sit in silence for five minutes and there'd be no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the minute you walk back into the world, we do this and there's this word and that word and psychological safety and high performance. And you just like, well, none of that's happening here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that like you're going, you go into the toilet cubicle before because when we are doing when we're doing workshops kira my wife comes comes with us and she's the operations manager for the company she was actually probably the person emailing you but uh i always get her to like greet everyone when they're coming in first yeah. and she doesn't understand it she's like you need to be at the door greeting everyone i'm like no I need to just be on my own. I need to get in my space. And then when I'm ready, I'll come out and do what I need to do. So yeah. it's a bit, it's a weird thing that I don't know if I like about myself, but it just has to be, has to be the case for me. Well, yeah, for me, for me, it's not weird. I just understand that I'm, I'm, I'm conscious today. I'm awake and I'm conscious and I'm feeling everything. And that's high performance. Anything under that isn't, mm-hmm. you know, the highest level of performance physically we can measure, right? I mean, I've been an athlete. You can strap a GPS on me. We can look what I'm lifting in the gym. We can measure my urine and my saliva and send that to the lab for the nutritionist. I can be measured. But the highest level of performance emotionally, oh, yeah, that, that's some serious awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think the minute the minute you step into that, it's a very, it's a very lonely place because all of a sudden you're feeling everything. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. I tell you where I um where I first came across you was it was a couple of years ago now I think and there's a player a guy a Gaelic footballer in Ireland called Connor Myler and Connor. um yeah, Connor. yeah and I had I had done a bit of work with Connor they actually won Tyrone his team won the All-Ireland that year and they were they were they were big outsiders probably to win it and after they I had done a little bit of work with him that year just on his movement i'm not taking i'm sure, literally, sure. literally taking zero credit for anything but um yeah. but um after after the all ireland i was listening to a podcast with him and he mentioned or maybe it was like a radio interview or something and he mentioned your name mm-hmm. and connor is an intelligent guy and he's like i think he's tuned in and he understands you know a lot of athletes i think they they can get sucked into different things maybe and with promises of different things but he's an intelligent guy and I kind of thought I think I went onto your Instagram and I followed it and I maybe didn't I didn't understand it didn't necessarily not agree but just didn't understand what, what you're saying and then as as maybe following 12 months went by because I had my own kind of Gaelic football career that was riddled with injuries and I, the things you were saying, I was like, he's fucking describing my career there in terms of yeah. like, I didn't realize it and I'm only realizing it now, but how wow. probably afraid I was all of the time of actually letting wow. go and being myself and underperforming and being judged and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's where I came across. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, um, I remember Connor well, and we still, we still speak, but um, he came on one of my original first leadership courses two and a half years ago that I launched. And, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm very intense. The age of eight, I sat in my bedroom and said, I'm going to play for England. There was no, and there was no gray area after I made that decision. And I sacrificed like any athlete would do. There was no parties. I didn't do anything in my teens. It was football, football, football. You know, and 17, made my debut for Norwich City against Wolves, scored, Adidas gave me a three-year contract, and I, I went on the plane with England under-20s to the World Cup, uh, Rio Ferdinand's year and Jake Michael Owen, and I was part of the 26 squad, right? And you, you go, okay, 
so intensity professionalism desire um no i'm very blessed that i've got those in abundance um but they were the problem as the career went on those very same attributes that get you there were the problem because on the way up you you're a child you're you're in your creativity you're just playing you go back to movement and i had a bunch of injuries and i'm looking at all these weird and wonderful experts and you know working now with players at man united and it, all these clubs so many injuries it, it's just a fuck up i mean the misdiagnosis is a disgrace the experts in the in, in europe miles off it i got guys are flying into south america and coming back fixed who have you and then the physios who have you seen down there some witch doctor and drop your ego man drop your ego come to the come to the well and say i the the the, the degree let me down the education's woefully inadequate because whoever whoever signs that education off every year and said we're good to go again when's that reassessed you know, and so I looked at the body and 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 for me, emotions are exactly the same. Kids move absolutely fluidly. Well, now here's a barbell. Let's well, hang on, why are you doing that? You know, and I've had this. So that was my journey through injuries and, and just the simplification of everything. And that really works for me, right? Because it's like that's the child state. And and so my obsession and my desire and my drive is amazing because it set, set me apart and, and drove me. But the problem was with that drive is that it means that nothing's ever enough. It means that I only want to play if I'm going to be man of the match and score. I don't want to, I don't even want to get out of bed otherwise. No point. It was no point for me. It's winning or not. So it's a very extreme mentality, which if is is amazing. You you said Connor's an intelligent guy, he's an intelligent guy like I am. So I'm I'm then going to go, right, well, how, how can I find the marginal gains? Mm-hmm. And then you run down that rabbit, Warren, which is never ending. And now I'm weighing my food. I'm taking vitamins. I'm sending urine into London and saliva tests, and they come back from the lab. And what am I looking for there? And you, you, you reflect on your career. And for me, it was in rehab at 33 for an emotional breakdown at the end of the career. And, you know, homeless, wife's gone, money's gone. And you're sitting there, and the incredibly enlightening moment to, <laughs> just a simplification of it all and you you start to reflect in that 30 days in a forest with all the work you're doing with a therapist and it's like fuck you look at your 600 games let's say for me and you say well five percent of them at best that 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 was me that was the player that was in the first team of 17 that added us when i tell you what it, it, sell some boots from this guy england that five percent so well, what did I do on those 5% of occasions? I was tired and I was bored and I was sick and tired of training, told it's this way, it's that way, don't do this, percentages, sit with a stats analyst, sit with his sports science, just tired. I did nothing. I fucked it all off. Probably even 2.5% of the 5% I was drunk. So you go, well, if you observe that and go, well, how how... How coming off that pitch are all the staff in the dressing room in front of 30 guys going, that, that you, you're a leader of men, like what you did today, and that's the level. And you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm drunk still, a little bit in my, if I was in my system. I've not done anything this week. I've fucked up all the weights. 
I've had a couple of, but I've done nothing. Yeah. The confusion when the, the adrenaline drops off and the, the fans leave the stadium and the press go and you get in your car. This is a moment I've shared with a lot of players and they go, fuck, that's it. You get in your car in the car park and there's a minute before you start the car and you're just sitting there and your body's battered, you're tired, but you're going, fuck, that, that was it today. And then it's like, I don't know what's, I don't know what I've done there. Mm-hmm. No what, idea. Why, why, why do you think that those, those like not giving a shit maybe are, why do you think those moments were more helpful for you as a player? Well, it, that's, it, that's it, the exact opposite that people, all them coaches are telling you. Well, it's exactly the opposite culture of the marginal gains world, mm-hmm. which we'll go into. I mean, it's the opposite of everything. There was a thing on the best way. There was a thing on LinkedIn the other day, a 50 page PDF broke down by this top analysis company of the world cup so far. I mean, I couldn't believe the amount of likes and comments and there was heat maps and graphics and the USA, England and maps and did arrows and people like this is awesome. And I just went, well, what the fuck are you going to do with this? I mean, what I'm Harry Kane, Harry, you have a look at that dossier before the game. I can do, but what, I mean, I can score goals, mm-hmm. fit, decent player, okay? So what's my only battle? Being myself, nothing else. Mm-hmm. There's your dossier back, thanks very much. Right? It's like, <laughs> there's no value in any of that. Right? It's like, but I say that because I've been in the arena. And, and when I started social media four and a half years ago, it was just like a, a friend of mine. And I was busy. Like I was working under the radar, New clients would come from one of the guys in the locker room, like, what's that, my guy? Use my guy. And then it, it was, uh, and, I, and I just thought, well, authenticity saved my life 11 years ago. So I'm just going to go on there, press record, and just share. And man, I mean, <laughs> the amount of people. To start, and when I started to get top level players, I remember getting a lad from Chelsea and one from Man United, right? And they, and they said to me, I don't know how I came across your live. And it was 10.30 at night, wife and kids were in bed. And I was, I'm on my fucking knees. I'm downstairs in my mansion, probably on an 80 grand sofa. Didn't say that, but probably was. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Which, again, is just, like they're saying, it's all bollocks. I just, all I want to find is the player within. Mm-hmm. And you you started talking, I thought, fuck it, is he behind the curtains? <laughs> and, and it was like, you were talking about Wednesday's good and Tuesday and then Thursday comes, Friday, and the voices get louder and then Saturday and then a bit, few more meetings and you're now leaning into, can I have my status? And, <laughs> and they're like, this is it. And then come game time, you're a bag of nerves, bag bag, you're a bag of nerves, you're a mess. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I think it's uh, what you're what you're describing with the heat maps and the tactics and all that stuff. I think the perfect example is happening in front of our eyes right now, which is Marcus Rashford for the last two years or 18 months. He looked like the most unhappy player just, and I'm sure he was, he was being told a lot of things over the last couple of years. And now it just seems like he just relaxed, let it go and just decided to play. And he's a completely different player. And I don't think you can just write that down and show someone here's how I want you to play. I don't think that works. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I won't share too much, but I think about some of the clients I've worked with who, and some of the high-profile players who you see have these turnarounds in the media. And it's funny because the lads I work with would be like, it's brilliant because all the media are like, yeah, he's done this. And even Rio Ferdinand the other night, what's what Rashford's done, he's gone back to basics and he's working hard again. 
I'm thinking, what are you talking about, mate? Like, that has nothing to do with it. Because mm -hmm. what you're really saying, then he was lazy. Yeah. He was probably working was, harder before. Yeah. But he was depressed. He was down. He'd lost himself. And whoever's worked with him, he's just done that. <laughs> so I, I think it's just to, to go right back to the original point. It's, it's just trying to simplify everything, Dave. I think we live in a really simple world, and it's just overcomplicated. Why? Mm -hmm. um, what stage did you realise like it was? It was maybe fear that was holding your back, or why did you come across the word? fear as opposed to maybe some of the different words that people use and then obviously choosing the the name the fear coach can you explain because fear i think is a big thing and particularly coaching therapists listen to this are, are working with clients and whether we approach the topic or not they're shitting themselves that they're injured and they're not even if they're weekend warriors or just want to go for a run if they've lost a little bit of hope if you don't address that fear in them that you're going to be okay, we're going to work through this, blah, 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 then it, nothing else seems to work as well. So why fear? Well, when I'm sitting in rehab 11 years ago, you know, you're unpacking why you're there. I was brought up by an incredible mum and two brothers who were both incredibly successful men. I was, the, <laughs> we're all successful boys, right? And you go, well, why? My mum had strong values. You, you don't take drugs, you, you you don't hit women, you work hard, you, we were brought up in incredible, and how am I in there, right, so what am I doing here, I was like the, the ultimate pro, I was the guy that all the coaches went, look at this guy, so you start to realise it was fear, the fear of failure, for me, make, unless you can harness it, will destroy you, and and it destroyed me, because I'm terrified of being anything other than my highest level. I'm terrified of not fulfilling what I see and what I've always felt I could be. I had that vision of eight and I got there. I got there to the top of that mountain by 18. I didn't have a father figure in my life or, or anyone to kind of go, amazing, Drew, 10 years. Let's just unpack that 10 years, Six, month by month. What fucking hell? 11, 12, 13, 14 hours hours on the road no one unpacked it so obviously top of the mountain right shit what do i do here didn't have a clue and because you don't have a clue how how you got there really you now fear comes in well well because now i'm 18 and now everything's on the line you're not kidding anymore you've got to score goals money's on the line jobs are on the line fans will be after you so i think the fear was always in there and i think it drove me really i think i walked that really fine line and then it fear started to creep in. The darkness went into the light, and then it was just terrified. I was just thinking about your point there about uh, in, injuries, and well, I, 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 without doubt, without doubt, believe, and I saw it, and I'll tell a story on that. But the emotional state of fear will create injuries, without doubt, without doubt, because I've seen it in myself. I saw a top therapist, someone who used to teach for Gary Gray in the US. Mm -hmm. um i i was working with a player on the emotional side and he this top guy came over and didn't lay a hand on him and he had repetitive hip issues i mean but they did mri'd it there was no real issues in the joint um no bony spurs anything like that he was telling me um he'd gone to flown him into germany I did, he'd seen the top hip specialist and this guy was like look it would be un unethical for me to, to to operate but saying that i think i could go in and maybe 
clean the joint a little bit and there might be some stuff that we could do but even saying that it wouldn't feel right yet he's in pain he he is perceiving a feeling of pain and i was working with him emotionally and i was like look we, and, and and i knew some people and i said look there's this guy in america gary gray and i know someone i met years ago teaches for him and so he came over and i watched him work with him we took him it was an indoor track in london he said look, i want you to just run down that track start running he's like i can't run that's why i'm here he's like okay what's killing you at the moment so we do this hamstring bridge where i drive myself up I, that's the fit the, the return to play test and i can't do it okay do it so he starts doing it i it hurts and there's no range and okay so this guy went, i want to do me a favor i said i'm going to just shine this laser on the wall it's got like 10 15 colors in there just shout the colors at me while you're doing it just please just turn the lights off red blue green yellow red blue green and he just nudges me ranges there come on quicker 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 so he, he didn't mean quicker to the hips he meant to the pen now the hips are driving driving on the back end anyway didn't let the player know what he'd seen he got up your pop he said no it was good he said enjoyed watching that he said look we're just gonna have another run so he started running again and he said look um how tall are you he said six for four he said why, why are you standing five foot eleven he said like you you're having a rough time drew said you're going through a lot of stuff and he said when, when did you when did you play for england he said when i was 19 he was 24 at that time, 23. He said, and what did that look like, your debut? He said, yeah, I was outstanding. He said, and how, how, what was your mentality going into that? He said, fuck everyone, because I came from nothing. He said, we'll run down there with that. And he just went, bang. He went, cool, come back. And you see this, this look in this player's face, and he doesn't know what day of the week it is. And I was, that was a moment for me. I was like, geez, and that was eight years ago now. And he just said, look, you, you're in a trauma state you've got addiction issues, you've got all of this fear inside, which Drew and I have talked about. Until that's healed, we can go around the houses, I can give you as many exercises as you want, nothing's. Mm -hmm. We need to shift this state of being mm -hmm. and give the, give the, the body the, the, the place to heal. Now, I'm not saying you might have a leg length difference, all the stuff that they're talking about, that might all be there and you might mm -hmm. need a shoe insertion or all of that, right? But this, it has to start here. Mm -hmm. that was i mean well i think i think it should be bleedingly obvious or, or glaringly obvious to people that like they're starting to study or they're starting to show all of these illnesses like cancers all this stuff like chronic stress mm -hmm. the effect that chronic stress has on that it's, it might not be the only thing that's happening but like it diseases is, is an inflammation is brewing up where there's chronic stressors in your life and if you talk to some, a lay person an everyday person they will accept that they will be like yeah like oh, oh that person that person is or their skin they had a skin breakout like they must be really stressed mm. and they can accept these physical mani manifestations of stress and unhappiness and all these things in their life but when it comes to someone's hamstring injury it's like, oh, if you talk to an athlete, like they will say, they will agree with you. Yes. Oh, stress could be a big factor in cancer, but not in my hamstring injury. <laughs> and it's like, well, how, you know, how can you, it's, it's not that you, it's not that you were thinking about that exact thing when you tore your hamstring, when you were running on the field, but what if your body was just so stressed, you weren't sleeping as well. You weren't, you weren't uh, digesting your food as well. Your rib cage, your pelvis, everything just was a bit locked up because you're so stressed. Mm. And, um, and that along with the load and the speed and the movement that happened was, was 
like at, le- at least you have to consider that that's having an impact and it's very frustrating for me and i love biomechanics i love strength training i love all that stuff i'm i'm obsessed that's my life but it's very frustrating for me that for that people can't actually acknowledge that and and have that as part of their just talk to people as part of their treatment. Well, well, I think it goes back to your initial thing when I, when you asked me how I was, and I said it's been a brutal week. I'm standing on the on the stage talking about change, and it's brutal because I mean, before I talked the other day, there was a couple of powerful people were talking, and one described themselves, and I'm an empath, and another one said I'm this, and I mean, they seem to really have their shit in order. And and I delivered, and after about 20 minutes, I caught their eye, and that fuck me, the last place they wanted to be was in that room because. <laughs> the kind of videos I was playing of top people talking about just riddled with his stuff. And cause it holds a big ass mirror up then in every area of your life. And I just think um, without doubt, there's a million variables, right? You know, yourself is a million variables. There could be anything at play. I'm just saying we don't take this stuff seriously enough. Mm-hmm. Or we'll say, oh, yeah, just see a psychologist or, and to go back to why did I call it fear? Because I understood it myself. It was fear. I wrote it down on a piece of paper then in rehab. I, I'm scared, scared of everything. I was always scared of everything. And in there, I'm scared of everything now. I'm scared of, will my marriage, I'm currently that's broken down. I've got a three-month-year-old daughter. Will I ever see her? Will I ever have any money? Will I ever, you know, where am I going? The career's finished. It, it was just fear. And the ability to sit with that, I mean, now you're talking about big men. Now you're talking about warriors. Now you're talking about Mike Tyson, Tyson Fury, Kobe Bryant, Tiger Wood. You're talking about the biggest. They all live there. The second rung don't live there. The, the, the big men all live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can I think I can see that now. Yeah. I thought I saw that in maybe the last dance with um, Oof. Jordan. I thought I saw that. It was like this guy knew who he fucking was and wanted to be and um and had fear yeah 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 100 percent. it seems like that was a big driver for him whether he managed it perfectly or not i, I don't think he managed it personally I, I don't think he managed it anywhere near as well as kobe bryant god rest his soul i think kobe knew i think michael jordan was still very much on that yeah i'm scared so i'm going to drive him harder and you're a fucking loser and i i don't particularly think he had a handle on that which is when you see him now bloated and overweight and mm-hmm that's not a well man Mm -hmm. you know whereas i think kobe because of phil jackson went there's only two ways you manage fear you you become perfectionist or you surrender to it there's there's only two ways you go you go double down on the this will not come into my life as an athlete so stronger quicker more sleep more technique or you go yeah, I don't, I don't know. I might not be good enough. I might lose tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not going to go lifting anymore. I'm not going to go hitting anymore. I'm not going to see it with golf. I work with golf on the tour and, you know, taking away all his practice. And he said to me recently, they go into the new season in Dubai in end of Jan and I'll go out there for a week. And he said to me, um, what can I ask you? What would be for me now as a golfer? How would you structure my week? I said, I'm a footballer or I was a footballer. I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a big golf fan. I play off 10. I said, but, I'm not going to come on here and tell you how to structure. I said, but I'll share you this. I said, if we just look at the, the base, how old are you now? He said, 28. I said, when did you pick, hit your first golf ball? He said, six. I said, all right. I said, all right. You've had 22 years of hitting golf balls. How many years have you been on the tour? Five years. Okay. 
college scholarship in America, finished high up the college rankings, top player, made some good money. So I think you can hit a golf ball. Okay. So if you're if you're a plumber or a carpenter, you've got your toolkit. They're all your golf clubs. Keep them sharp. Hour a day, hour and a half. Just keep your tools sharp, ready to do your job. That's it. Don't go searching for anything. Just sharpen them. Mm-hmm. What does your soul need? He said, well, all the stuff we've started doing, ice water, meditation, prayer, gratitude writing, there's your soul work. And then you probably want to go to the gym and respect your body because you need to be strong. As a human being, forget golf performance at the moment. Let's just go as a human being. Like You've got to be strong and you've got to move well. <laughs> so if you just go, okay, I'm going to do some emotion stuff, spiritual stuff. I'm going to do some physical stuff. And I'm going to do some technical stuff. He went, fucking hell. I said, you have a couple of days off. Do what you want around that. I said, but let the rest of them run down rabbit warrens. Because I, I would put my life on the line that Tiger Woods got injured not because of his swing. I said this to him. That's what everyone will say. He got injured because he went chasing dragons. When he was top of the world and he had, his father was alive. He had Butch Harmon as his coach. He was a very organic guy, Butch Harmon. Mm-hmm. Woods was dominating. And I think a voice as a competitive animal, a voice would have gone to him, this is not enough, this. There's a young guy who's just put it, put it out, there are 320, right, I need to get stronger, let's go. Navy SEALs, four in the morning. What the fuck are you doing, Tiger? Mm-hmm. You, if you were his buddy, then you go, Tiger, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, like, no one can touch you right now. And I understand we've always got to be looking that way, I understand that, but where are you going here? Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit if they can hit it 20 yards further. Okay, they might be, there might be some advancements in movement and you might get a, a, a more intelligent conditioning coach or whatever who can give you the next 1%, maybe. Mm-hmm. But do you understand how powerful your being is that under the gun, you don't go under? Mm-hmm. And they will all continue to go under. Yeah. I think, do you think that um, someone, if you, if you just go back to Jordan for a minute where, do you think that he pushed harder and worked harder and kind of had to have a grudge against someone because he couldn't necessarily, like you're saying with Kobe, like accept, accept that fear? And then do you think when their career is over, Oof. what happens then? Because he doesn't have an outlet for that anymore. Oh. And you see a lot of athletes or even people in general doing like physical challenges where they have to do an Ironman, then they have to do a, super hard man or whatever the next thing are they all do you think some of them physical challenges are an escape from actually confronting well without doubt i think when i heard weekend warrior i I always i always try to be the observer of everything it's a buddhist thing but you know without labeling something just observe what's going on here so okay here's a guy who works in the office all week and then you know runs triathlons and like a lunatic okay do you enjoy that? Yeah. Which bit do you enjoy? And you keep asking questions and I'd bet my bottom dollar you'll get back to a, a guy who's not content with himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Underneath there somewhere. Mm-hmm. The, going back, hence going back to the golf guy. He's a professional player at the highest level. But I had some time and I was doing some mental stuff with Charlie Hull, the English golfer. I worked with her from 16 to 19. She's now 26 and 20. Um, and one day I was at Woven at the golf club and Ian Poulter came in. He was back for the, he comes back for the open and he came in. We were talking, we were talking, and 
he said, oh, I've just had this shoulder injury, but I'm playing. I said, what, what did you do? Oh, I've never done it before, but I'm looking at all the other guys and I live on Lake Nona in Florida. And I went and hired some trainer, a fucking golf expert, and I'm running down the gym, hopping with kettlebells. And I said, what the fuck are you doing that for? And he said, well, exactly. Now I'm injured. I've missed however many months. And I said, please never do that again. I mean, Ian, I, I won't go into it. How many Ferraris you got? How much money you made? I mean, how many houses you got? You fly on a private jet. I think you're doing okay. I mean, all right, if you if you realise you're 38 and you need to strengthen us to do some stuff. But all that nonsense, you're a golfer. You hit a ball which weighs nothing from there to there. <laughs> you're not having to bounce off someone coming in from the sea. There's none of that happening. Mm-hmm. You know, just move well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it was just, <laughs> to go back to it, it's just, yeah, just observing, right? Just asking why continuously. I say it to my kids, just keep asking why to your teachers. And at the end, you'll either get someone who doesn't know. And if they're amazing, they'll go, I don't, I don't have the answers, but I'd love to explore it with you. Or they'll go into their ego and shame you, at which point we move you out of school <laughs> somewhere else yeah you're gonna you're gonna keep moving schools though because i don't think you're gonna well, find... i might have to i might have to homeschool my wife texted me the other day and she said harrison these three and a half wanted to they did the part at nursery for the big bad wolf but he, he was like i want to be the wolf and that they all did an audition and that, and too many kids were crying when he did the audition he said he's he was they said he's too scary for a wolf. <laughs> yeah. She WhatsApped me. I I put it on low and this is fucking brilliant. This is the world we live in. You got a three and a half year old to play a wolf. Now we, we don't want you being too much like a wolf. Can you be <laughs> can you be a rabbit who's half wolf? No, no. You know, it's like yeah. Tell anyone, it's like imagine that telling to the all blacks, look, we I love the way you, you spearhead tackles, but maybe it's a bit aggressive. Just come back. Take it back. Yeah. Well, I mean- and again, if you observe that, where does that finish, Dave? Like what? A three and a half, the next one, the next one, the next, before you know it, you're fucking nowhere near it. Yeah, you're being tamed very early there. Oh. Um, and and it, when you look into Serena Williams, I mean, I, I think the two best coaches in history is, is Earl Woods and Richard Williams. I think they're the two best coaches in history. I mean, Pep and you can put these people, but the, these two men, have raised their kit. Pep didn't raise his players. They've raised the best in the world. And you go, well, what's that? And if you watch the film, Richard Williams, it's all in there. Mm-hmm. It's all in there. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would argue with you on, on Earl Woods, at least, because is he, is he, is he creating or was he creating like a machine or was he, who was, emotionally maybe very damaged and had to have outlets or um but then again I, lo- I look at tiger now and he looks like the happiest he's ever been by far uh so maybe he just had to go through some of that turmoil and come out the other it is a thing right i mean all these people judging ronaldo at the moment i just find it hilarious it's like what the fuck i mean if you if you don't have his money if you haven't been best in the world in your field six times six years in a row or six years if you haven't scored the most, if you haven't got any of these things he's got, then you've got nothing to bring to the party. I've got no, I've got, Brenny Brown says it. If you've not been in, if you're not in the arena, you've got nothing to give me. Mm-hmm. Like, so anyone's opinion on Ronaldo, there's nothing there. I'm like, well, where, where are you? I work in an office. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, he's Cristiano fucking Ronaldo. I mean, he left home at 14. His dad died at 17. 
He moved to a different country at 14, cried himself to sleep every night. Got bullied for his bad skin. I mean, the, the guy's become a machine, unbelievable human being. Mm -hmm. His humanitarian work's incredible. I was at the I was at a player's box at Old Trafford a year or so ago, and I was talking to the lady who, who does all the corporate hospitality. And she she's probably late sixties, a lovely lady from Manchester. And she says, "Oh, you're nice. We're talking." I said, "No, thank you very much." She brought a cheese board, and we were talking, right? And I said to her, um, "She's like." you're very polite and thank you. I said, well, no, I said, it's exactly how I was raised. And she goes, oh, not like half of them these days. I said, well, what do you mean by that? She says, well, the players have these boxes. So this all here, like 20 in a row is the players. And some of them, and the, the people they have in there and the way they speak to you and the players. And I said, Who, who's the best overall? If you've done how many years? Yeah, she was 30 years, 30 years. Who's the best? She goes, always Cristiano. No one, just incredible, like so kind. His family is so beautiful. Everyone's lovely. He does. He knows I see it. He always leaves cash for the girls, and he knows I tell him not to. But he always. So I'm thinking, well, all these fucking idiots online, like you don't know anything about anything. He's the ultimate because he's he, he's he's humble, he's grounded, but he's going to war every single day, mm -hmm. and it, and it, and he's not he's not backing down off that. Mm -hmm. And if you if if you mistreat him, which Man United did in the summer. They, they abused him in the way they dealt with him in his communication. Good, walk down the tunnel then. I mean, I think that was quite tame. I was waiting for a couple of TVs to be ripped off the wall and smashed up. Mick Jagger would have done that. I mean, why did you stop there, Cristiano? Take some money out of your glove compartment, leave it on the side, a couple of million, they can pay for that. And go to Qatar and earn a few more million. Mm -hmm. Two goals in, off we go. <laughs> where, where where does where does it end for someone like Cristiano there though? Where like he's at the pinnacle, and then is the danger then that he just sur surrounds himself with yes men who no one can tell him anything, and you just end up? No, I I think you look at his agent George Mendes. He's certainly not a yes man. I think he's the most successful man in businessman in Portugal, a multi multi millionaire in his own right. So mm -hmm. not made of Cristiano. I mean other other interests. I've been very blessed and now more, more and more so I'm the private coach for, for business owners and players. You, 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 these guys don't, a lot of the guys who I come to me are, are, are like damaged birds, like the little bird, they fall out the nest and their wings, are, I need to get them back up here. And it's funny because I watch them with me and, and, and as they're growing themselves, I get a bit more insecure and I share it with them. I said, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm afraid now. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, now you could be looking at me going, what the fuck am I paying you for? <laughs> and, and they start pissing themselves. They said, do you feel that? I said, yeah. I said, but this is also where I need to take you because no, you, were, you were depressed. There was no performance. There was, but guys at that level, I mean, I've been around a couple. They are not. They are not yes men. They're, they're going to, no chance. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't perform like that and be a yes man. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. What, um, practically speaking, let's let's say yourself, Drew, at 25, 26, 28, whatever, yeah. came across the message that you're trying to spread now. Mm. One, would you be have been open to it? Um, and two, like how would you how would you coach that Drew back then? Like what how would that conversation even go or what what yeah, I, practically I, I, can people how do you even start that conversation for well, someone not, who's never? 
it's not a quick fix, is it? It's like someone coming to you with chronic back pain over years, or it's not okay. Here's just off you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, it's, and, and, and emotionally, is exactly the same as physically. The emotional part of us and the physical part of us are exactly the same. You know, this needs to be fluid. The body needs to be fluid. It needs to be strong. The body needs to be strong. Um, so there's all these things. So I, I, I think my content, without doubt, scares the life out of people. And I think because, because what it does is it cuts through their ego. And the ego is not walking around thinking I'm better than everybody who's got a big ego. The ego is your, is your, your self-defense system that you build. And you build it to protect yourself. And underneath there is this little six-year-old going, I don't know if I'm good enough. So you, you need to get him out and go, you are. Let's work on that. So I think the content, because I've seen it in all the messages I get. I've had abusive messages. You, you are de de delivering this message. You say, okay, off you go then. And I just block them. Mm -hmm. Because if that guy came up to me in the street, I wouldn't have him in my life. So why on social media? Would, there's no, you, you add no value to me. Mm -hmm. I often go through and just cull everyone. There's no value in what you're bringing in my life. They, so, wouldn't, they wouldn't say it to you in your, it, it, on the street anyway. Well, they wouldn't. So it's all nonsense, right? So it's like, well, okay, that's your opinion. Get out of my life. Mm -hmm. I think the content, because all I do is share my truth. I am not right or wrong because there is no such thing. Look at movement. No one's got the... The more you understand about the body, then some guy does a laser on the wall. And, it, 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 <laughs> you know, we don't really know anything. And I think the humility underneath that you know, I'm probably most aligned with Buddhism and that the whole soul thing of Buddhism, it's not about a God or a deity. It's very much about coming back to the child state and we know nothing. So with the players sit before the game and just be nothing, I'm nothing. I've got no power over the next 90 minutes. I, I could die out there. I could break my neck or anything could happen, but I've worked hard. I'm pretty good. And I'm just going to work for the guys and trust myself. And so the message will just hit people hard. And I know that because people who've reached out to me, it's gone, I've been watching you for a year behind like my fingers sometimes. And then I've got <laughs> the courage, then I've got the courage to reach out. And okay. And because I, because I've lived what they're living and, I, and I'm very blessed. I've found a way of articulating that message into something that people understand. And, and I think, how would I have dealt with a 20, Five-year-old me, well, it, you've got to work. Let's take let's take um, Connor for example, and I won't share too much. But you know, he was what, 27, 26 when he came a couple of years ago. I don't know what he is now. Pro yeah, probably mid twenties. Yeah, okay, twenty-five. Yeah. Um, he came on my course. I've written an athlete one now for next year because I'm doing stuff in America. But it was a leadership course I'd written, coaches and leaders really. But he came on. And it's eight weeks. And the aim of that eight weeks is to break you down. Not by me, just probing questions, probing videos, probing conversations. A lot of time I sit on mute and let the guys come back off. Just there's no hiding place. 30 questions a week, bang, bang, making you look at your whole life. <laughs> Midpoint, four weeks as people come on Zoom and they're just broken. I see their faces, they're like, but good. Because now I've not let the 120 questions, no wriggle room. Now let's, now let's find out who you are. And now let's build you into the last eight weeks where you go, okay, sweat and courage, which is kind of eight weeks, which has become my mantra. My podcast, everything app is being renamed Sweat and Courage in, in January because I've been working with two colleges in the US, been there three times with, with the student athletes, Yale and Cornell. 
And um, I just like completely embodied this sweat and courage thing. And Connor sweat and courage on his wristbands, and he sent it to me. There was, was an interview he did, and he said, "I've got it on my wristband before the big game." He took a picture from the locker room and stuck it in the in the final, and stuck it in our WhatsApp group from the course. And I'm just with this today, guys. And, and, and because at the end of that eight weeks, you realise that's all you got. You haven't got anything else. And if you look at a child, I've got four kids, you watch them. That's all they've got. They just don't know it as that. They're, they're, they're driving every day to kind of, my daughter, I've got twins now, seven months. They are fighting to sit up. They're shouting and I just want to get up. I mean, that's all in sweat. They're fully invested. Mm -hmm. And then they've got, they don't know it as courage, but they're risking everything. Yeah. They're risking trying the first food. They're risking crawling they're risking walking it's all in sweat and courage mm -hmm. yeah. and so as an athlete when there's all this information can you just sit there and go well sweat and courage <laughs> you know? yeah yeah i think look, look, I, I was I remember watching connor that year he for people who don't, who don't know he their team won the all ireland that year the biggest competition he was i think he was nominated for the top three players so and he didn't he didn't win player of the year I thought he was by far the player of the year, he, right. like comf comfortably player right. of the year. And I definitely saw, I was at the final, I saw a lot of courage where he was taking the ball all of the time. I've never seen a player, well, rarely seen a player to be available nonstop for the ball. And I can remember, I just, I just remember reflecting on my, some of my games and I, that I was playing and some of the time I definitely look back and I'm ashamed to say it. It was like probably hiding in certain situations. Uh, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to say it. I've worked with, Half a Man United who are fucking hiding. I've got lads in the Champions League who are sitting in the locker room before the game on 200 grand a week, banging their head against the locker room thing just to find something, find mm -hmm. something. And they said, you, you come out of there. We're all hiding out there. I said, of course, because I hid most of my career. I hid. You don't really want the ball. I mean, you look, to, to someone who doesn't understand, they'll be like, hey, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, decent game today, Drew. Father in law, decent game. What the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? I hid the whole game. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember like one one or two of the biggest games where I actually probably I felt like I played my best in the biggest games was because I just was like, fuck this. I have to just, you know, it was just go for it. But in but I never enjoyed my a lot of the a lot of the seasons because no. a lot of the games I wasn't I don't know. I was afraid. I definitely was. Afraid. Well, you, 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 fear is thinking, right? So the minute we're thinking, we've we've got to be careful because we're into fear a little bit because thinking is you know, if you look at Einstein or Elon Musk, there's an amazing thing on Elon Musk recently on the four-part episode, I think on BBC, four one hours. And I mean, yes, he's in thought, but ultimately it's instinct. Mm -hmm. How he got those rockets, how he to the moon, how he built Tesla, it's instinct. Mm -hmm. And thinking and instinct are complete opposite parts of the body. You know, we feel instinct. It's, a, it's an intuition, whereas this is... So I don't want anyone thinking about anything before a game. Yeah, nothing. I mean, it's really hard to do, and I don't think it's possible. But, well, certainly, be, be the observer of, be the observer of your thoughts. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. If you see, if you if you if you see someone who's injured, um, <laughs> and let's say you you draw out a rehab process to get them back into sprinting, like yeah. early on, early on, the first couple of weeks, you might have exercises where there's a lot of cues and stuff like that. They're getting in tune with their body it's a very top-down process but then as soon as you bring in any speed of movement any jumping any any running any sprinting change of direction the thinking has to go out the window because as soon as you try and focus your mind on one body part you're 
everything else just gets muddled up and messed up. And it's like these people will always ask, what should I be doing in this situation? Whatever. And that's where the laser and stuff is really good. For example, where actually it just takes their focus off of that, or you just give them a ball and suddenly you see their body just organizing. And it's not a, what we know about, what we know about everything to do with the body is top down thinking too much, just, just gets in the way. So that's, and, 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 and you know, I, I got into Wim Hof stuff about four years ago and, um, you know, I started did cold showers and then I started, I run three times a week at the lake near me and I started getting from the cold shower to get into the lake for two minutes Yeah, and then pull my hoodie on afterwards and run the two Ks back to the car or three Ks, whatever it was. And then I bought an ice barrel, which is out there. I bought that two, three years ago and that's out there now. It's about two degrees. I've got an old battered industrial uh, ice machine from a restaurant that went under and in the garage and I, I put it on twice a week and get 20 k's of ice and dump it in there um because that shuts down that and connects that the most powerful tool the most powerful tool for collapsing the ego is ice because it can't fight yeah come on then ice i'm gonna beat you well you can't because i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna remain cold mm-hmm. let's see I, I bet i bet you get out before i do right it's like <laughs> and so what do you do you quit okay you give up the place of transcendence the feeling you get when you come out of that and i know obviously as a player even going back 15 years ice baths of course every day and you're sitting up to your waist and it's all for your legs and but this i don't do any of this for recovery now and it's all about collapsing this and attaching with this Mm -hmm. um advice wise i know i know it's 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 much more than what you could just answer in a question like advice wise but for coaches and therapists out there who are trying to get a little bit more in touch with their clients and actually just have conversations that aren't just about the knee joint ultimately even if it's about that it's it's like actually understanding what's going on in someone's life or helping them a little bit in that way do you have do you have advice or where do you start or or is that are some people just more emotionally intelligent and they can yeah they can tap into look, that? Look, I, I'm I'm naturally very emotionally intelligent. If I'd have been measured at school, my IQ wasn't. I had to work really hard to understand anything. I'm not I'm not that way. My big brother was amazing science master. Da, 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 da. I was like tutor. My mum's like you're gonna get a C. And but I always felt deeply emotionally. Now I know that as emotional intelligence. So when I wrote my course two years ago, it was very much more like. Okay, if I'm if I'm nine out of ten emotional intelligence, what a gift that is. And I've worked on it and done all that stuff on top of it. Well, how how, how can I take someone who's maybe really, really, really bright, like far brighter than me, IQ, but doesn't have the EQ? Well, there's some stuff here, there's some tools here we can because it's not a quick fix. Um, I, you know, even the word empathy, and I'm thinking about you as any therapist is an em- em- empathy. And you know, empathy is not something you can think about. It's something you feel. As a, I start my podcast again in January, and I'm kicking off with a couple of people. Mike Brown, the rugby player, has been reaching out to me a lot. Played for England a bunch of times. Yeah, a footballer and uh, a lady, Daniela F. Chief, who, who wrote a book, Healing and Understanding Emotional Trauma, and her work is incredible. And the way she articulates what fear does to the body and empathy and there's a line in her book, Daniela F. Chief, Healing and Understanding Emotional Trauma. There's a line in her book saying, one's capacity for empathy is greatly reduced 
when you went through that experience and shut away the pain of that experience. I'm discrediting it with the word. She, she put it nicely. Mm-hmm. To cut a long story short, if you want to have empathy, you have to go back into all of your shit and you have to feel again. The reason Steve Gerrard will fail as a manager, the reason a Wayne Rooney might struggle, the reason a, is because they're sitting on mountains of gold, these guys. They've played at the highest level. But, but the one thing they need to be able to do, connect with those guys, they can't, can't plug in. They can't get the USB because it, it's blocked under layers of, I'm all right, nah, are you? Mm-hmm. Go back into all those games, game at a time. And what you'll find is I was fucking terrified. Because mm-hmm. if Mike Tyson is saying it, and Tyson Fury, everyone else just got to shut the fuck up. I mean, you're not Mike Tyson. You're not Tyson Fury. So yeah, you need to sit down and listen here. Yeah, Tyson saying he was shitting himself before his fights. Is so sit down and listen because, and when I went when I went to America, and you you know you're speaking to NFL guys and all the, in the college, the, the American football, you know the big jocks in the room, and like, well, I'm just going to level you in about five minutes. You'll be leveled on the floor here because unless any of you can would fancy themselves against Mike, you, you need to sit down and listen. Mm-hmm. And so empathy, empathy, it's a return to feeling. And we live in a world of thinking. Everything out there is feeding more data. So all, my, all the work I do with people is get them out of this, get them into this. Now we have to trust this, sweat and courage. So I, I, it's not an easy journey. Um, I, I've got my app, which I built for that reason, really, to, to, to give out incredible community and it's called the fear coach, but from January, everything is going to be rebranded inside Google and out, and everything is, is going to be sweat and courage because it's kind of, because it's kind of like problem solution. Problem is the mental health issues related to the pressure of pursuing dreams. Yeah. And sweat and courage is a solution. Uh, what about your personal brand then? Is that going to be? I'll stay as fear coach, but you know, as we build out, because I use the the app with a couple of colleges now in America, it's going to be there for the student athletes. And and, and the more I teach my course, it's been amazing teaching my course, two years, 160 guys through it. That has just taken me to a whole 10 levels higher because the the experience and diversity in that room, on the last course, I've got a 52-year-old headmaster of Dubai's biggest private school. Lost his edge. Right, so it's like, and I've got a young coach at 19 at Leicester trying to see you. In that room, some business guys, some football, just, and yet I did a talk yesterday on change management at Land Rover and how you emotionally manage change if they want to be a top performing industry, which they want it, they need to do. So how do you get through change? And, and a buddy of mine said, what have you done for your slideshow? I said, yeah, I've created a pretty powerful presentation, videos and hard hitting quotes that I'll talk around. He said, just go on your WhatsApp for a minute. I went in my WhatsApp, I said, type in the bar at the top um changed my life put that in there <laughs> 20 messages from after boot camps it's changed my life this change i went jesus he said oh i knew there would be because he helps me co-teaches with me he's working with me lewis harrington so i i just put all them in a presentation and, and there's no ego with that it's just like wow these men are saying it's changed their life well because I'm and all to say that, David, all I've changed is I've got them out of here mm-hmm. and I got them into here. The headmaster at this school was kicked out of a couple of schools as a kid. No ability to, to have any attention in classes. Didn't like school. 
he's the headmaster of a massive international school. I mean, I was pissing myself going, when he told the lads that, I said, doesn't it just show you? He said, the shame I got for that behaviour, the shame. I said, yeah, here I am now, headmaster, but still carries all the shame. Yeah. Why was any of that wrong? Just, just you're in the wrong, just get out of school. Yeah. Don't go there. That's the, that's the story of so many... Fucking headmaster. Physios and stuff as well, where like they were the person who got injured all of the time and then they wanted to do that. And I think maybe that goes back to what you're saying with Gerard. I think Lampard is the same. I think Keane is probably the same where they went they went to the top of their game and probably didn't have the same struggles. I'll tell tell you what they did, David, because it's interesting. It goes back to the Michael Jordan thing without doubt, because I did it. And when I did it, I was a uh, there was no doubt I would have gone on and stayed at the Premier League level where I was. They shut themselves off emotionally. Right, going to be a horrible bastard here. Yeah, you're talking about you're talking about cheating on your wife and not batting an eyelid. Not even well, that's just that's what you're doing. Injure someone, up you get pal. You're done, Roy Keane. Snap your leg off, you go pal. You know, you become you become a killer. You become you are getting very close to the line of if we've got psychopath up here and serial killer. Well, you 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 start going there. I got there in therapy. I went through my sex addiction stuff and all the things that all the people had hurt and I'd become emotionally dead. But when I, when I went, fuck everyone, I'm just, I don't give respect to anybody. I was, I was a good player. Mm. I had a moral compass so strong that went Drew, This isn't, this isn't you, man. Like this isn't the way in the dead of night. Whereas I think your Keens, your Lampard, they can carry on yeah. emotionless, but you finish your career. What's that yeah, leaving you? Yeah. What's yeah. that leaving you with? <laughs> Keane is my like I love hero. Him, I love my him. hero, but love he him. looks like a very bitter man now. He really like he really, really does. And I think it's on unfo- it's unfortunate he still harbors grudges like against people that he should just let it go. Yeah. It's, just, it's just and I just feel like someone like that cat couldn't be a successful manager at the top of the game. No. Because because it became I all I was was black and white because you, but here's the thing. He went black and white. I'm all in black and white. I went black and white, but look at this moral compass telling me there's all this gray and I want to be a nice guy, which is why I was looking like this. <laughs> when I went all in black and white, well, seven goals in nine games, everyone talking about me, ruthless, cold, bullying people. I mean, let's be honest, Roy Keane on the pitch. I could have swatted him like a wasp. I was 92 kilograms and six foot four. Like, come on, let's get real here. But, 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 he went fully in there. Yeah, I didn't. But what that's enabled me to do today is still feel. Mm. I actually love Roy Keane's messages. I think he talks about intensity and desire and heart and all the things which I fully agree with. Mm-hmm. We just need to bring in a bit of feeling in, but and he doesn't do that, right? Because it's like he can't go there. No, he can't go. <laughs> 100%. Like no, of, and, and like Michael Jordan. Like a lot of Irish people. <laughs> Michael Jordan too, right? Yeah. Yeah. No ability, yeah. That, that's, whereas, uh... whereas I think Tiger Woods, Buddhist mother, Buddhist mother, military father. So he had in the household this Buddhist Zen mother, and he had the, he had the disciplined animal. Mm-hmm. What a powerful mix. Mm-hmm. But when you leave home at 19 and you're in the world, yeah. how do you hang on to that? Yeah. I think Tiger was humble, though. I think his his 
accidents and all that stuff. I think he was more in the black and white before. Then all the things happened to him. He got humbled. Well, well, here it is. I don't think he was black and white. I think he was right on the ultimate line of high performance. Black and white, but still a load of feeling and emotion. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking, I don't even know when it happened, but 2021, 20, it became more black and white every month. Yeah. And now you're in. You can't. And then the universe will go, you still going there? Yeah. Back down you get. Yeah. Back down you get. Because that's what the, the life does, right? Yeah. I've not put you on this planet with this many gifts to change this many lives doing it your way. So if I'll kill you now or you align yourself, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that's what the universe does. Mm-hmm. But but I think I don't think you can be as amazing as he is without in the early years having that perfect balance, the ultimate line. Yeah. Have you seen Roy? So I know we're going over. Have you seen Roy Keane's interviews from his early days? I've uh, seen, I've oh, seen, I've seen, I've seen clips uh, of him. Yeah, I've seen lots of clips. I read his book where he was writing letters to all the all the Premier League clubs and stuff, trying to get over and stuff like that. So I've seen a lot of it. But yeah, go on. Well, they're, 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 well, I'm just thinking there have been there have been more of a humility. Humility is the wrong word. It's, it's ugly. There have been more of like you have to change to survive in the industry. Yeah. You have to become cold. You have to become cold if you're going to survive because it will smash you to your knees. Mm-hmm. So and I just, think, as he went on, yeah, like Tiger, and I wasn't able to stay cold. Yeah. I could dip in and out for about six weeks. <laughs> but that used to kill me because then my performance up here and the moat coach, like, this is it. Well, wow. Like, and then I just go, yeah. And he's calling me, you're a disgrace. You did. Oh, man. I don't even know what I've done. <laughs> do you, uh, so do you think that, I, I know you are, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up very soon, but la- I suppose last question is, how do you think your work can then ke- help keep some of these athletes? And I know you work with business people and stuff where you actually see a lot of those business people getting at the top of their game, getting very cold as well. How do you think? So like, they're not going to come to you and say, okay, so you're, you're saying to me there, that you, you need to stay cold to stay at the top. They're not going to come to you and say, okay, help me, help me not stay or help me like not stay at the top. They want to stay at the top, but not stay as cold. So how does that? Ronnie O'Sullivan There's an interview with Ronnie O'Sullivan the other day. And it was unbelievable. He's sitting there and he's sitting in the studio and they went, Ronnie, like, do you think everyone can win world championship? He goes, no, you joke. Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone coming through Ronnie? No, he said, you could cut my arm off. I'd still win. I'm not. <laughs> but, but, but really the message inside there is that, not everyone's capable. I've been into, where are we now? 22, 23 businesses in the last five years. I've remained at three. Well, why is that? Because my contents hit the owner. I'm just broken, man. I, I, I'm that alpha male. I'm that driven guy like you, but you seem to have found, yeah, I have. Do you want to talk about that? We'll come in and you start lifting the lid on that. For, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And the ego comes back. And that's when you just, there's no anger. There's no bitterness. Roy Keane, just like, okay, that's that's his level. He's hit his limit. Mm-hmm. It's the ones who, and, and I'm blown away sometimes, David, with the 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds who just seem limitless to me. Like, just just keep hurting me. It's almost like, come on, Drew, what? just give me more pain today. Not not trying to give them pain, just having a conversation which makes them self-reflect. Yeah. Yeah. 
see how long they can hang on to that. That's the question. Well, of course, mm-hmm. of course. Hardest thing in the world is to hang on to that. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think I'm not saying you have to be cold to get to the top. There's many incredible leaders who walk the line of both. Of course there is. Of course there is. They're incredible. But I think the majority, a, a, a nice moral feeling, human feeling beings mm-hmm. who go, but to survive in here, I've got to shut all that off. Yeah. I think you're and right. then, you know, it's uh, not many want to go back into that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, it's where, I, it's where I found sport. Going from sport to business is, I find, really easy. Going from business to sport, I don't think you can go from business to sport. Don't think you I'm, can. No, you don't understand that environment. No. Because, look, three times a week, these 17-year-olds have got to go back into the arena. Mm-hmm. I, I did a talk yesterday, and there was a guy, and he said, uh, I, I watched you play, Drew, years ago. I said, no way. He said, yeah, you were 19, 20. He said, we, remember the big terrace behind a goal? We'd have given you dogs abuse. I said, yeah. He said, and you've just shared this today. He said, and you had to go back out there twice more in the next seven days. How do you do that? I was like, well, standing here today, it's because I know I'm a very, very strong human being and I'm very grateful for that. Then I don't know because, well, I do know there's only two choices. Become the biggest statistic, which is 18 to 21. You get your first pro contract, 99% are gone by 21. Mm-hmm. So when you were watching me, I was 20. And I was close to going. Or you kill yourself, because suicide's the biggest killer to men. That's just, that's just, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I never felt as close to that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to quit. So what do I do? I'm getting paid, just keep turning up. Play on 16 more years. <laughs> you know. And he said, I, I almost feel, I know what you're going to say, don't. Don't say I feel bad for abusing it. No, look, football's football. The fans, I love it. No problem. As long as I have the tools to deal with that. Yeah. Now I'm looking at my coaches all in the black kit with their initials on. What's your job, guys? Because you ain't doing it. Yeah. Anyone can learn tactics. You can learn that on YouTube. You can build a house on YouTube. You could manage fucking Man United on YouTube. You could have that in a year, all the tactics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I never felt like too many managers improved me over the years <laughs> uh, really yeah one, one one maybe one one but actually none of them had a conversation with me it was <laughs> yeah, like you know so that's but but no but no blame there david I have no, no no it's just a regret on my part but not a blame on to, to them you know just the way it was and i think maybe it's slowly changing but we'll see i think I, look without doubt it's slowly changing but the big shift the PFA, the Players Union in England, have approached me. The three meetings now, and we're tying it up next week. They want to take my education and implement it into a leadership course next year for coaches and managers and leaders. And they want, I've written an athlete one, and they want me to start launching out for young players. And so I'm going to release an online version, and they, it's module by module, videos and videos and questions. And the only way, David, is education, mm-hmm. but not this surface level, just talk week. And well, I'm not going to fucking talk because I don't trust it. I'm in a place where you'll actually take this information and not shame me. Yeah. Yeah. Not tell me to get my head up. <laughs> yeah. You go to your manager and you say, I'm feeling this way. And they're like, okay, secretly they're like, you're fucking dropped anyway. <laughs> yeah. But even outside of that, like if you go to people and go, how are you feeling? Drew, talk to me. How are you feeling today? Well, honestly, if, I don't know if I love my wife. Um, fucking 
why am I doing this coaching shit? I'm bored of fucking saving people. I'm tired. Um, which some days I feel exactly that way. Well, I don't know too many people who are going to just go, yeah, man, like me too. Um, they're going to go, shit, right, we need to get, or they're going to go, mate, there's people far or, far far worse off than you, which is the worst line you want to hear. I mean, that is torture. Yeah. That's yeah. torture. Doesn't help me right now, does it? No. <laughs> you know, just be me for a second. Like, I'm not saying I don't love my wife, but today mm-hmm. I need to unpack why I feel that way. Well, she's resentful. I'm working hard. Kim, not spent that much time with the kids this week because I've been... So now she's angry at me and now I'm resentful at her. So I'm going to unpack that in writing and journaling and and I'll walk back in the house in a couple of hours and give her a kiss and all will be well, you know? But I've done my work on myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't say that. No, you can't. <laughs> you definitely can't. Um... But, but, but to finish, that is high performance. That's high performance. Yeah, I, I do. You listen. To, I, I I know you, uh, I've said it now four times, but one last thing: Do you listen to the high performance podcast? At the start of every podcast, they ask all the people. Uh, it's Jay Humphreys. Yeah, I find, uh, I find it one of the most pain, painful podcasts. Oh there my god! There's been a couple of decent ones, but like then I realized that it's just scripted and everyone sounds the same. But the first line is, "What is high performance to you?" And the bullshit rehearsed answers that the people come on with are disgraceful. It is, and and, and people not knowing and talking for five minutes. Yeah, it's disgraceful. It's terrible. And I just say, well, it's exactly what it says. It is the highest level of performance in myself. Mm-hmm. As a yeah. human being, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find it painful. I find it really painful because, and, and, and hey, look, I speak to a lot of people, athletes, and they all go, "Yeah, I find that painful." That whole podcast, it, it, and and the more they've done it, I've said this to Jake. I've reached out to him. And I remember when I was a young player with Norwich and Peterborough and and Damien Hughes. I had on my own podcast, which I haven't released yet, and I love your stuff. And and I said to him, "Look, guys, like the one he did with Tyson Fury, he said, Tyson." He said to him, I just want you to sit on the sofa with Paris when you retire and be happy. Look at everything you've done. He's shaming the hell out of him at that point. He's basically going, it's not okay to sit on the sofa at the end of your career and go, I'm not fucking happy being it. Well, I'd say that is exactly the right mentality because you're the heavyweight fucking champion of the world. Jake, what are you? No, off you pop then. I would think to be the heavyweight champion of the world, you have to be one extreme individual, I would imagine. 100%. <laughs> and so all Bless Tyson needs is just an understanding that that's never going to change to the day he dies, which I think he does. And he be- better do some ice work and some meditation and train every day and just about keep the wolf from the door 24 hours at a time. And then you yeah. die. That's what it's going to look like. 100%. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. Um, All right, buddy. Drew, uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. it it's um, it's taken me a while to kind of maybe understand what some of what you're saying, but then when I reflect back, as I said at the start, it, it, it makes sense, and I'm on my own kind of mini, uh, not like mini spiritual journey, I would say, that's trying to deal with a lot of the shit that has happened in my life and i think i hopefully think that that makes me a little bit better at work with working with my clients along the way i know some people guaranteed will have listened to this podcast and will think what did i just listen to that's all bullshit i have no doubt and and you know what Absolutely. I'm not doing this podcast to appease people or just tick boxes. I'm, it's people I want to talk to and people, people who enjoy it, enjoy it. So yeah, can, I say, can I say something which might answer that? I say it with humble, you know, because I asked that same question of myself many times just before I post something on my team. 
the fuck wants to listen? I'm not so much now, but for sure. The observer of, and I sit here today, <laughs> you know, I, I got six retainers by some top footballers. I, I, I work at two massive, I've got Land Rover ringing me and saying, can you help create a cultural change across Land Rover? I'm flying back and forth to America to help some of the best student athletes in the country. Um, the PFA want to buy my education and check, you know, to sit there and not attach to that and go, wow, look, and to go, well, what's happening there, right? So there's something that I'm saying or doing, right, that, that's attractive. And, mm-hmm. and even when I have doubt, because it's very lonely when you deliver this message, I look and see these things and go, whoa, there's something working here. Yeah. And I guess that I guess that's all I'd like to finish on. Take Connor. There's something in this that's working. Can we be open enough to explore that? Yeah, have a conversation about it. That's exactly. It. So that's it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Is there somewhere that um, for people who are interested that you would like them to go to check out some more? Uh, well, I, I I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on uh, Instagram. There's guys who run that for me. I do most of my posts on there. TikTok now they've set that up for me. I don't have the app. They do it all. Oh, I don't want to be anywhere near that. Don't um, go on it. <laughs> don't want to be anywhere near looking at dogs jumping out of windows or anything like that. Um, I have written a book, And Then What, which is on Amazon. There's an audio version of that as well. I've got my app, which is called The Fear Coach, but will be sweating courage from January. And yeah, my website, which is uh, fearcoach.co.uk. Awesome. We'll link all those in the show notes. So um, Thanks, thank, you. thank you so much. Really enjoyed the chat and um, hope you'll catch up again soon. Thanks for your time, buddy. Hey guys, David here again. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Drew. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a a different one maybe, but I think it's an important topic to think about for yourself, your career, your clients, all of that stuff. If you think about like, I I, I see fear absolutely crippling coaches and therapists in the industry they're afraid to if you're if you're being brutally honest or i'm being brutally honest with you or you're being brutally honest with yourself people are afraid to post on social media for what other coaches will say people are people are afraid to people know i think these things help but because some coaches don't like it or they might call them out they're afraid to use those types of exercises or those types of philosophies with their clients so so instead they'll shit all over it people are afraid what older coaches in the industry are afraid will think of them people are afraid to lose their clients so they'll they'll sacrifice their morals or their ethics to do things to help keep their clients people are afraid of so many different things um they're afraid to give the clients what they know or what you really think i really think they need this but I don't think that the client will will do what I say. So I'm going to give them some bullshit fluffy stuff that I actually know won't help. People are crippled with fear. And then if you think about that, and that's all of us. And then if you think about that, um, from your client's perspective, they're afraid to book in a session with a therapist because they don't know what what way it's going to go. They don't think you're going to be able to help them because 10 other They've been to 10 other therapists before. Um, they're afraid to push their bodies because they don't they think they're fragile and they're gonna break. It, it, people are crippled with fear, and we need to we need to like you can see that in your clients, and and we're still often too afraid to actually acknowledge acknowledge that with them and have a, a proper conversation with them. And like I'm afraid to say it to them in case they think I'm a weirdo, and they're afraid to say it to me in case 
in case exactly the same probably they think i'm a, a weirdo or they are i don't care or anything like that so i think it's an important topic i think drew is doing some really 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 good work i think i would encourage you to check it out and um, i'm not going to try and sell you anything or anything like that in the outro i would just like to to say maybe if if the podcast was a little bit challenging to you or whatever i would just ask you to maybe question why that is and, th and think about just just analyze your thoughts a little bit and think is actually is this something that's going on in my life or is this is this a topic that i'm not able to discuss with my clients where they're just they're struggling and they, they need help and they need more than just being given an exercise plan or something like that or a rub so hope you found the podcast helpful obviously i would appreciate if you give it a if you give it a share and a like and hopefully we can all just keep getting better together and having difficult conversations even though they're maybe outlawed in different parts of the industry but um i'm going to try and push ahead and uh do what i think is best anyway so uh as always thank you so much thanks to drew for, to, for coming on and um thanks to all you guys for listening to the dgr podcast and i will chat to you guys next time